the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are two places in the Old Testament where David in the Old Testament proclaims in sacred song that we worship a God who is the cloud rider. He's a God who rises up on eagle's wings, and he is a God that can take us from here to Orion, here to God's celestial realm. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now to take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888-244-HOPE. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Cloud Writer. That's The Cloud Writer, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com, along with many more messages archived there for you. We will bring you the first portion of The Cloud Writer today. The next time we get together, we'll complete it. But remember, always, you can go online and listen to the entire message without interruption. It's available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with the first portion of the Cloud Rider. Leonardo da Vinci once wrote this amazing description of what it means to fly. Some have postulated that Leonardo da Vinci perhaps found a way to fly. He wrote as if he had. And in fact, if you look at some of his drawings, he makes pictures of helicopters and gliders. He envisioned flight. And here is what he said. He said, once you have tasted flight, you will forever walk the earth with your eyes turned skyward. For there you have been and there you always long to return. I mean, in his mind, he flew. And thus he wrote something like that. As Christians, we are looking to the sky. Did you hear me? We are looking to the sky for the soon return of Jesus Christ. That's a fact. We are not going to sit here and dwell here. We want to go home. And there are two places in the Old Testament where David in the Old Testament proclaims in sacred song that we worship a God who is the cloud rider. He's a God who rises up on eagle's wings. And he is a God that can take us from here to Orion, here to God's celestial realm. Psalms 104 verse 3. Open your Bibles and let's turn with me. Psalms 104 verse 3. Who has laid the beams of thy chambers on the waters? Now, this is a creation psalm. It's a psalm that describes God coming down in Genesis 1 and creating the world. He came down in a heavenly chariot wrapped in a cloud, according to Psalms 104. Who has laid the beams of thy chambers on the waters? Who makest the clouds thy chariot? Who ridest on the wings of the wind? Who makes the winds thy messengers? Fire and flame thy ministers. This world was created when God showed up in celestial form in the pillar of fire and cloud. The light was over the deep and angels were singing at the creation of the world. Psalm 68 verse 4. Sing to the Lord. Now I like that song. It says sing to the Lord. We are to let loose and sing praises to God. Did you know that? God is enthroned over our music. We should praise him. Sing to the Lord. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him. It says it three times. Who rides upon the clouds. 
His name is the Lord, all capital letters, meaning the covenant name of God, Yahweh. And whenever you see that name in the Bible, L-O-R-D, all capital letters, it always refers to his name in relationship to his law, the Ten Commandments. It is the covenant name of God. Exalt before him, the text says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And you may not have a father. You may have had a lousy father or mother. If you have God, you have a father. Did you hear me? If you have God, you have a father. And if you are trying to belong somewhere and you don't know how to belong, God is there for you. God is the father of the fathers. In fact, God is the father of children yet to be born. He knows them in the womb and he calls them by name. He loves every child that he has destined to be a part of his eternal kingdom. The cloud rider is the Lord. The Lord is his name. The Lord sits on the cloud. He rides the wind. And when he comes again, and that he will, Jesus is coming again. Friend, he comes to save his people as the cloud rider. David said the Lord is his name, the cloud rider. When God rescued his people from Egypt, he spoke to Moses of the fact that when he comes to his people, he can't leave them down. He can't just drag them on the ground to safety. He lifts them up on eagle's wings. He carries them with flight to safety. Look at Exodus 19 verse 4. God is speaking, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. We don't get to God because we're good at finding God. We don't get to God because we can work our way to him. We get to God because God finds us. God is the hound of heaven who searches out for the lost. But he knows if you've had a bad week in which you've slumped and failed, he seeks you out with grace. You know, just last night I was listening to the Bible and it was going through some aspect of the scripture I was listening to. I was tired. I've been fighting a bug. I'm getting over it. And, you know, a piece of scripture went right through my mind that I was listening. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And right there, I felt the Lord nudging me closer to him to correct something and to get something better so that I would be in closer connection to him. Friend, when the Christian church was in deep trouble after the ascension of Christ, God gave the church of the Middle Ages the two wings of the great eagle so she would fly to safety because God is the cloud rider. Now, in our Sabbath school lesson, what is the topic of this quarter? What is it? We're studying what book of the Bible? The book of Revelation. I am so happy that we are because we need that book to prepare for Christ's return. In Revelation 12, verse 14, when the church was in trouble in the Middle Ages, God gave the church the two wings of the great eagle. The scripture reads, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, times, and half a time. How many of you understand that time prophecy? Raise your hand. How many of you would like to understand it? Raise your hand. See, so we have to do work here today. Half of us do, half of us don't. That's all right. Now, in the book of Revelation, the final evil, I'm talking about the last evil that is coming on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. It is coming. It is the mark of the beast issue. And some people say, ah, the mark of the beast. Friend, the mark of the beast is coming to this country. It is coming to the world. It will precede the coming of Jesus Christ. It will be an evil so dark that no human being on earth can hide from that final test and trial unless they are somehow bound to Jesus Christ and sealed so deeply that their faith will not fail. The mark of the beast is that last test for us all on planet earth. And when it's over, Jesus comes. It is coming 
As sure as the dawn, it will be a global test. But friend, it will start right here in the United States of America based on Revelation chapter 13. We have a whole chapter in the Bible that tells us about America and prophecy and the coming test that will start right here. The land of the free, the home of the brave will become a place of oppression according to the book of Revelation. The United States of America is described in Revelation 13 verse 11. Then I saw another beast which rose out of the earth. You know, the sea beast rose out of the sea. The sea represents many nations and tribes and tongues. The roaring of the seas represents the roaring of the nations in Psalms. The wicked are like the sea, Isaiah says. And so out of the sea of nations, the sea beast came into existence. It is the medieval beast that operated during the Middle Ages that persecuted the church. But this is not that beast. This beast comes out of the earth. It comes out of an unpopulated area. In the context, it arises after the Middle Ages. So in the 1700s thereabouts, it is the United States of America. It says it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke eventually like a dragon. In the context, this lamb-like beast arises, as I said, at the end of the Middle Ages, when the persecutions of the sea beast have come to an end. The lamb-like beast has no crown on its two horns because it has no monarchy. It's a country without a king. It arises after the first beast goes down. And if you study the time prophecy of Revelation 13, that beast goes down in the year 1798. The sea beast persecuted the church in the Middle Ages. And the beast had crowns on its head in the Middle Ages. But this one does not. And so this one doesn't persecute in the Middle Ages. This beast will persecute at the time of the end. The lamb-like beast is pictured in Revelation 13, 12 as a global superpower, a superpower that gains all the authority and influence of the world order of the Middle Ages. In other words, it reaches around the planet. Look at Revelation 12, 13. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. It makes the earth, its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It works great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of men. And so a global superpower arises in the new world that has no king, that has lamb-like in its origin. Eventually it morphs, it becomes antagonistic to the church of God, and it loses its Christian freedom. Friend, the lamb-like beast is the United States of America a country that was born out of Christian principles. I mean, I'm thankful every day for our Constitution. You ought to take your Constitution and read it. It embodies Christian principles of freedom, of respect of property, respect of personhood. The rights of the individual are more important than the rights of the group in our Constitution because God cares about people. He doesn't want mobs running over individuals. And thus the United States, as the lamb-like beast, serves the world prophetically in its early phase as the protector of freedom for the world. The book of Revelation predicts that the corruption of America will happen before Jesus returns. There will be a shift in this country away from its primary principles of its origin. And it will speak as a dragon, the Bible says. Now there is only one place in the book of Revelation where the dragon speaks. And it is noted in the book of Revelation. And when the dragon speaks, he speaks to persecute and to accuse the church. Turn to Revelation 12 and let's look at verse 10 together. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now this is talking contextually about the cross. Now the salvation and the power 
and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. You see, the cross brought the victory of God to planet Earth. The cross brought the prerogatives of Christ as king to planet Earth. He was installed as the second Adam because of his victory. And this is being celebrated here. But then it says this, For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before God. For centuries in the Old Testament, we had an advocate of sorts before God. He would come to the portals of heaven and he would accuse the human race like is pictured in the book of Job. And Satan was there to keep every single human being out. But when Jesus died, he gained control of planet earth and the table shifted. And so heaven joins in a single voice and they say, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. You see, they accepted us at the cross as part of the heavenly family because of Jesus, their commander. So when the dragon speaks, what does he do? He accuses God's people. He will accuse you, friend, of what you have done. You have a dark secret in your life. You have some failure. He will bring it out. He will accuse you. And he will accuse you of what you have not done. He will take advantage of your faults. He will create faults that are not yours. And things you have never done, he will bring to light and try to pin on you. Friends, Satan doesn't care. He just wants you. He wants to gobble you up and destroy your faith. As Christians, I say this without apology, we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ through the redemption of his blood. Did you hear me? We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ through the redemption of his blood. We stand, though faulty we be, not guilty before God because of Jesus, our Savior. That is the apostolic gospel. That's the apostolic gospel. Now, if you've got some other version of that, you're not in the Christian faith. That is the heart and core of the apostolic teaching. The gospel has taken the power of Satan away so that he cannot at the time of the end accuse you before God if you are in Christ Jesus. So the accuser has been defanged. He has no power to bring you into jeopardy with God if you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ is not passive, it's active. It's a choice, it's a faith direction. It's throwing your will at Jesus and coming to him and letting him have you. Now, the word justification in the writings of Paul, it always means legal acquittal. Where There's been creative people trying to reinvent the writings of Paul over the centuries, but Paul himself gives the definition of what justification means. Paul defines this term in Romans 8. Look at Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, what does the text say? Who is against us? It goes on to say, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his all. Now what verse does that sound like when you interact with the Gospel of John? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Now notice what Paul's saying here. He's saying... He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also give us all things with him? Since God gave Jesus to die for your sins, don't you think God cares about overcoming your sins? Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. 
We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. The same one who died for you will carry you to the end. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Sometimes in the church, we end up accusing each other. You ever notice that? Church members can accuse someone back and forth. Sometimes people start pity parties so they can be the object of accusation. It's a really complex thing. So who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Here's what it says. It is God who justifies who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. So when we speak of the sanctuary message, we better not leave out justification by faith. Christ, as our great high priest in the heavenly sanctuary, is the guarantee that we are accepted before God. And what he did at the cross is the basis of it. So in Christ, the sinner is not guilty. Now pinch yourself. Come on, take your hand. We're going to do some interaction with the truth here. Pinch yourself a little bit. Do you feel that? Just a little bit. Mm. Now don't pinch yourself to where you hurt. Do you feel that? Now I want you to feel the fact that God has forgiven you. He has. Now he hasn't forgiven you to be a rebel, but he has forgiven you. And that forgiveness can carry and transform the life that really does appreciate it. The Holy Spirit regenerates us because of that fact. In Christ, the sinner is not guilty. God has taken the fangs out of the serpent's mouth so he cannot wound you in the judgment day. He can say anything he wants to about you. It will not fly in the judgment day if you're in Christ. So why do we live for God as Christians? What's the motive of our life? Is it to prove something so we can look perfect at the time of the end and say, hey, I made it. I vindicated the character of God. Friends, you can't vindicate the character of God. Jesus vindicates the character of God. But God wants to be in us the hope of glory. He wants to be transformative in our lives. So why do we live for God as Christians? What is the changed life? Friend, we live for God because we are grateful for the cross of Christ. We live for God because the kindness of God has brought us to repentance. Because the love of God has got us inside. And it moves us now to love each other and to lay down any kind of oppositional attitude so that the love of God permeates us because God in Christ loved us. The dragon has no power over the forgiven life that bears testimony to the truth that Jesus saves because Christ has dealt with the legal requirement of the law for you. He has died for your sins and you are not guilty if you are in Christ. So the church is the theater of God's grace. It is the very place that bears testimony to Jesus. Turn to Revelation 12, verse 11, describing the apostolic church coming into the Middle Ages. It says, And they conquered him, the dragon, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. When we grasp the love of God for us, when we deeply sense what it meant to give Jesus to us, And we understand the suffering of God to atone for our sins. 
We'll live and die for God. That's it. It doesn't matter. We'll live and die for him. And thus they did. And they bore testimony to the truth. And so the dragon is angry with the church in America that bears testimony to the truth of the gospel. You look at the context of Revelation 13. This lamb-like beast, the United States of America, the remnant church arises at the end of the Middle Ages in the United States of America at the end of the Second Great Awakening. So in the mark of the beast issue, the dragon will leave the sea of nations in Europe, it says in Revelation. He will go off to make war on the remnant church in America where it began to destroy with satanic rage and fury the church that keeps the commandments of God and is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that dark attack will occur, as I said, right here in Christian America because the lamb-like beast will speak like a dragon eventually as it institutes the mark of the beast and the lamb-like beast will build an image to the sea beast of the Middle Ages whose mortal wound was healed. Friend, America will turn on God at the time of the end. That's what the book of Revelation teaches. In Revelation 13, the beast is Antichrist, the sea beast. It represents the unified world kingdom order that governed Europe in the Middle Ages. Before he shows up in the Middle Ages as Antichrist... The beast from the sea had a pre-existence, just like Christ had a pre-existence. John says he was in the world. The beast was formed out of world kingdoms before it came into its antichrist phase in the Middle Ages. The beast from the sea shows up very clearly in Revelation 13, 5, for 42 prophetic months in the Middle Ages, which is three and a half prophetic years of 1,260 literal years. Now, 42 times 30, got your calculator out? What is it? 1,260 days. Now, knowing that the Bible uses a lunar calendar, 30 days is what's being used prophetically, a 30-day month. So three and a half years is 42 months. 42 months is 1,260 days with a 30-day month here intended. And so Bible students of the Reformation figured this out. This is not new stuff. This is old stuff. They figured out that that time prophecy started in the year 538 A.D., when the church gained control of the throne of the Roman emperors, and that this fusion of church and state was oppressive, it oppressed the Protestant Reformation, and millions of people died in the Counter-Reformation for the Bible and righteousness by faith. And so that time prophecy runs from 538, when the siege of Rome lifts, to 1798 when Rome is besieged again in the French Revolution. And thus the old era of the Holy Roman Empire of church and state comes down. And what we have is the rise of the modern era of nation states. Friend, Jesus' ministry, it's no accident. Jesus' ministry was for three and a half literal years because the Antichrist ministry is for three and a half prophetic years. Christ built up the church for three and a half years. The Antichrist power in the Middle Ages tore it down. And so the Antichrist beast from the sea tears down the church that Christ established. And then the beast gets a deadly wound. Now, Jesus got a deadly wound on the cross, right? The beast gets a deadly wound. It's like he goes to the cross. In the French Revolution, the beast power came down with a deadly wound. The religio-political system of the Middle Ages crashed decisively. And thus the kingdom of France ended the old order of the church state that had governed the Middle Ages as it ushered us into the era of modern nations, of nationalism. But the book of Revelation teaches us that the lamb-like beast, which used to be a Christian America, 
will at the time of the end become the false prophet of the beast. In other words, it'll work with an emerging world order to bring it under the authority of Satan so that God's people are attacked and his word is compromised. And this country that we all love, I'm a patriot. I love the United States of America. I'm a patriot. My son is in the military. This country that we all love that once celebrated its constitution of freedom, according to the book of Revelation, will at the time of the end repudiate every principle of its constitution to persecute the faithful church right here in Christian America. You know, the persecutions in the Middle Ages were overseas. The Bible teaches it's coming to this country at the time of the end. In Revelation 12, 17, notice the dragon. The dragon was angry with the woman, representing God's people universal. And he went off to make war. He left the old world, implied. He went off to make war on the remnant of her offspring or seed, on those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. And he, the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea. God's end-time church will overcome in just the same way the apostolic church overcame. By faith in Jesus, as they give the world their testimony, there will be people who die in this country who are faithful to God's word. And those people, like the early Christians, their blood will be the seed of evangelism that will spread the message far and wide. Now I'll make this statement very directly. I want you to hear me. A lukewarm church that does not bear testimony to the truth will not overcome at the time of the end. Well, we need to leave it there for the first portion of The Cloud Rider. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Don't forget, you can find this message and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Again, you can listen to this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com in its entirety along with the rest of the Cosmic Controversy series. And join us again next time. We so appreciate you listening. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. <laughs> 